Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. Man, it is exciting to be here today. This place looks good. You look good. Man, look at your neighbor and tell them you look good. Man, now look at your second choice and tell them they look good. Man, I sure hope their wife wasn't your second choice. All right, I gave you an opportunity there to do something with it. Yeah, we just saw the advertisement. I was like, we started the Kids Blitz here. It was so cool. We started the Easter egg hunt here. And I'm sure a lot of you are glad that's not going on right now. It got out of control then, too. It was just crazy how many we had at that park. And me and Derek would come back to the office, and we'd just be like, what do we do with this? This is just out of control. And so uh, uh, I want to say that uh, I'm so honored to be here. That's not just uh, 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 me coming up, and that's what a guest does. They they have to say they're honored to be here. It is an honor and a privilege to be back in this place. This was a spiritual home for us. Uh, I won't go into a lot of detail. Uh, Man, I could spend 45 minutes just talking about this place. It was such a, a home for us. And a uh, matter of fact, we came here at a time where, man, I was looking. I didn't know what to do. I, I, was, I was in some bad positions with a pastor, and, and it was just, we were just having, so my wife finally told me, she said, uh, you can stay here, but we're leaving. And I was just like, man. And uh, me and Derek, now I've known Derek, uh, Pastor Derek, uh, for, uh, we met in 96, 96, that's a, that don't seem like that long ago. Four, thanks, Jen. I didn't ask for any help this morning. And Derek and Gail, crazy thing how it all intertwined. Derek and Gail actually just moved back from Oklahoma, am I right? Because I, sometimes I get my, I'll, I'll go through all these great details like, man, I feel like my mind's sharp. And I'll sit down and my wife's like, that's not happening at all. And so, but if I'm remembering right, Derek and Gail just moved back to Clovis from Oklahoma City, and uh, uh, we were uh, youth pastoring there. They were part of our uh, youth ministry team, which they they were they were all part of Clovis First Assembly for so long. But then, whenever we got to be part of the fabric there, they come and joined us. And then Derek took it after I left to go to Rio Rancho with Pastor Kent Bernard at Grace Outreach Center, and uh, Derek took it over. And then I remember him coming here, and we just thought. What? Tucumcari? Because all I knew Tucumcari for was hotels. And I was like, God bless you. And 23 years later, look at what's happened. And you know what God reminds me is that, uh, you know, this is a place. I feel like I have a word for you today. We spent three amazing, am I right, three years, three years here, and then God called me to pastor, and uh, I went and took a church in Texas, and uh, that's where I'm from, and, and, and I covet your prayers because I am now pastoring in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and how many know Santa Fe needs the gospel? Yeah, I know, you know, you hear Tucumcari, people hear Tucumcari, like, you hear Santa Fe, and Tucumcari is going, whoa, wow. <laughs> and I just said, God, I don't know what, I had eight different confirmations. I did not pursue this. Uh, my network pursued this after me, wanted me to come take this church. It was getting ready to close its doors. Uh, it's a 60,000, if you know Pastor Marcus McLean, it was his church there, uh, Christian Life. It was getting ready to close its doors. They were behind in payments, and all these things happened. And I was like, God, I don't know what you're going to do with a Texan. I don't know if they're going to understand me. Because Siri doesn't understand me. 
I will tell Siri something to text, and it is absolutely opposite from what I've said. So Siri does not understand Texan. And so I said, God, I don't know what you can do there. And I'll tell you what, it's because of networking that God has blessed me with families like Derek and Gail. I'm telling you, they are a blessing. We love those guys. I have been friends with Derek and Gail for a matter of fact, we had a little girl here in this church that used to call her Miguel. I have not called Gail. This is the first time I actually have said Gail in years because I call her Miguel. And so uh, we love those guys. And uh, we, we texted. We went for a walk this morning, walked neighborhoods, looked at old houses where we used to live on 4th. We, we went by Paige's. Uh, we started to do some creepy things, but I didn't want to do that. She's back there serving because uh, Paige will shoot you. And so I didn't want to do that. And so and we sure didn't want to go by Sundra's because Sundra will come out and shoot you too. And I, I just don't want to do that. And so we walked by and we, we just were reminiscing. And man, we're so excited to be here this morning. It is just a privilege and an honor. And I want to tell you, I feel like I'm coming to you with a word, and I want to encourage you this morning. I know you've had some great preachers here, and man, I can't touch those guys who have been here, uh, but I, I can tell you this. I can touch you with what God's telling me to speak to you, and so my prayer is that you just get ready uh, to receive from God and just hear from him and just believe that God's going to do some great things in this church. Somebody say amen. amen. That's all the introduction I can do because I will get in trouble. I will be here till I could be here till one o'clock doing this. I'm telling you, and y'all got set up for kids blitz. Uh, let's pray for the word. Father, I thank you so much. It is an honor to always preach your word, but it is a double honor to be able to speak to my family. Lord, to be able to touch this place with your word and be an instrument, God, to speak to people. Lord, would you just bless this little place? I pray that you just explode this place. I pray that this becomes a lighthouse in this desert. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just begin to do great and mighty things. There's so many families here that need Jesus. There's broken homes. There's drugs. There's, there's everything going on, Lord. The enemy is at work, so, God, we need God's people to be at work. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen amen hey let's get started I don't know what time y'all normally in I don't even know where to go with this there's a clock I see the clock in the back oh it's timing me down I better go I'm like I saw the 1027 but she said you need to look at the timer okay looking at that now hey this morning I want to talk to you about something because you know as I was praying about I even asked Jason Dickinson I said what'd you preach on and I said, because I don't want to start, I mean, I sort of know where you're at in your situation, and, and you're, you're looking for that next leader, and I look at the fact that you had such an amazing, I mean, you're trying to replace a Moses. I mean, really, this guy came in here and did great things, and he had a heart for this place, and loved Tucumcari. Matter of fact, whenever I, I, I texted him and said, we're walking through your old stomping grounds, I said, well, it's not really old yet. Uh, you ain't even closed on your house. So, uh, and, uh, and he said, man, thank you. It's an honor to have you there. He says, I really miss and love those people. And, you know, I, I, walked, through Derek, I walked with Derek through this process. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, your pastor had such a difficult time with this, even knowing that this was God. Even knowing this was God. Man, he couldn't talk about it without tearing up and breaking down and just struggling. And he just loves you guys. And so you always have that. And uh, I'll tell you what, this church will always be blessed. I've seen pastors leave and they're done, cut ties. 
and this guy is making sure this church is functioning and it's getting and prepared to receive somebody else that's going to come in here and do great things. And so I just thank God for uh, Derek and Gail and what they've done here. Uh, your board members, uh, your, if you're a board member here, stand up. I want to I see you. If you're a board member serving this church, take, rise to your feet. Yeah, I love it. Let's give these guys, man, i tell you what. I couldn't even see Dennis for Jason. He stood up in front of Dennis, but <laughs> Justin, love you guys. Man, it's such an honor that you guys are helping lead this way. Uh, you are doing great. Uh, let me ask another question because, I mean, even with uh, Kids Blitz and everything, if you volunteer and you serve at this church, would you stand to your feet? Yeah, I like that. Look at that. Man, let's give these guys a great big hand. You may be seated. Listen, this can't happen without you. And so one of the things I want to talk about today is I want to talk about spiritual gifting. Spiritual gifting. And, you know, I, I want to honor you for your faithfulness and just say that may God bless you and keep you because this is powerful. Uh, faithfulness knows no difference between small and great duties. It knows no difference. It's about being faithful. Uh, and, and I want you to hear this because this, this could be a temptation. God has no larger field for someone who is not faithful to what he's got right now. Because we think, well, man, I know God's got something bigger for me. But if you're not faithful in what he has for you now, there's no bigger field waiting for you, my friend. There is not. There's, there's great faith here because there's a lot of faithfulness here. And so I love that. And so I want to talk to you. Turn in your Bibles to Zechariah. Uh, I want to go into something. I want to talk about spiritual gifts. Because uh, this is something, as I was talking with Jason about what he preached on, and, and I loved his sermon. He even sent me his notes. I'm like, I'll save that and preach that later on somewhere else. Uh, but uh, anyway, I thought about just preaching it here and just tell you it was God, but I was just kidding. Uh, so uh, in Zechariah, we see that uh, there's a return of the exiles to Judah. And after uh, the one thing that they're called to do is they're called to repent. And I think as Christians, we have to live in repentance and communion with God. Because at the end of every day, I, I want God to sign off on my life. I want to lay my head down. You know, I used to say that, uh, uh, that uh, praying for peace and love and, and those things are sort of cheesy. And, and, and as I grow older, I understand there's nothing more powerful than having peace in your life. To lay your head down and know that you're serving God and that you are faithful. And, and it's a beautiful thing. And so he calls them to repentance. And in this book, there's, there's eight recorded visions that encourage people uh, for the rebuilding of the temple. Well, here's the thing is I'm not here speaking to a place that's in rubble. I'm speaking to a place that has been built. And, you know, I love it because in Solomon's time when the temple was built, that's when God filled the temple. And God wants to fill his temple with his people. And the overall message is that everything in this book that we're seeing, and, and this is, a, by the way, this is not just an Old Testament word. It is, a, it is an Old Testament prophecy for the New Testament church. And, and the, the big idea is, and I want you to grab this, is that, that everything they needed, God had already supplied. God already supplied it. So what you need is already in the house to do what God wants to do. That's exciting. That's exciting. And God's going to put somebody in here. Uh, I remember you had a great woman of God in here named Ellen Shankles. Anybody remember Ellen? 
man, that woman was a, she was a, a grandmother to us. I say grandmother because she, she didn't treat us like her kids. We never got whooped. She treated us like her grandbabies, and she was always talking good about us and loving us and taking care of us. And, and I remember somebody was complaining one day about uh, what was going on with me and Derek and, and uh, Cindy and Gail and, and growing the church, and they come to her and complained. Now, if you know Ellen, and Ellen, this is the exact word Ellen told her. I don't even know who the woman was. You might be in this room. I don't know. Don't, don't, don't show yourself. But Ellen, when she started complaining, Ellen looked at her and she said, I pointed my finger at her face and I said, you shut your mouth. She said, we're not going back to 30 ladies in Mike Russell. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. Thank God for Mike Russell, somebody. This has been a, a faithful man of God. And Linda, we, man, our hearts are with you, but what a precious woman of God. And, and y'all have done so much for the kingdom. And man, I tell you what, she's there now enjoying her reward. And, and, and one day we'll get to be around the throne with her again. And man, but I'm telling you what, I want to call you to a, a place of prayer and fasting. Don't, don't let this be just a process you're going through. Begin to pray. Begin to fast. Begin to seek God to put the right person in this place. But until that happens, how many of you know, we have a job to do you say well you you got a mouse in your pocket why are you saying we because listen this is a place that I'm praying for this is a place that I network with and I know people and I connect with people and 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 in this story that we're going to look at in Zechariah uh, I want to share with you a couple things there's in the picture of it I'm going to read one verse verse six but I want to just give you a little bit of what Zechariah talks about here he talks about there's an olive there's two olive trees and it's feeding into a lampstand and, and it's so powerful because the olive tree is a symbol of friendship, of reconciliation, of cleansing, of healing, of light, of victory, of richness. And above all else, it's a sign of peace. And I want you to hear this. Through the Spirit of God, it keeps the lampstand burning. And you are those olive trees that pour into the lampstand, which is the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that oil that comes from you is, 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 is a, uh, a, 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 a cultivating a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that keeps us going. I just want to give you a couple. This isn't in my notes, but I want to give you a couple things here. In Jeremiah 17 and verse 7 and 8, you can write it down. It talks about how we're trees. And it says, "Blessed, uh, be, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like trees, come on, planted by the water that sends out its roots. By the way, that's your children. That's this kid's blitz you're getting ready to do. Come on, somebody. That puts out roots by the streams. It does not fear when heat comes. That's a word for tucum carry. Come on. Does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year through drought. And it never fails to bear fruit. Never. Come on. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we never fail to bear fruit. I go on Psalms 1. It says in verse 1 through 3, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the steps of the wicked or stands in the way of the sinners or sets in the company of mockers. Uh, come on, that's in a church today. Come on. People that don't want to do what, they don't want to be volunteers. They want to mock what's going on. And it goes on. It says, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his word day and night. That person, watch this, is like a tree 
planted by the water, which yields its fruits in seasons and whose leaves never wither. Whatever they do prospers. You say, it's Old Testament. I want to show you in Mark chapter 8, this is a powerful story. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus heals a man. I heard a preacher one time say, because remember, Jesus asks him, we're going to see the story real quick, but Jesus prays over his healing. I want to read this to you in Mark chapter 8. Write this down because I want you to go back and look at this because this is a, this is a, a New Testament example of what the Old Testament was teaching us. And in Mark chapter 8, verse 22, it says, They came to Bethesda, that's the, Jesus and his followers, his disciples, and some, brought, uh, some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and he put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus just spit on the ground. He rubs it in the man's eyes, tells him to open his eyes, and he says, Do you see anything? Who is standing before the blind man? Jesus and his disciples. I want you to see what he saw. It says, do you see anything? He says, and he looked up and he said, I see people and they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on this man's eyes. Then his eyes were open and his sight restored and he saw everything clearly. I heard a preacher one time say, uh, you know what? I think uh, Jesus, when the first time he did it, did it, tried to heal him, it didn't work. And so he touched him again. And I'm like, no, no, no. Jesus doesn't do anything without it being on purpose. When Jesus opened his eyes, I believe with all my heart, George and Terry, that he said, do you see anything? And he let the man see in the spiritual realm. And he looked at Jesus and his disciples, and he saw men who looked like trees. I'm telling you, we are that. Those olive trees that are fueling the lampstand that's going to keep the fire of the gospel of Jesus Christ bright and burning in this city, bright and burning in this community. And Zechariah tells us, watch this, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 6. In Zechariah, he says, so he said to me, this is the word of the Lord, not by might, That's collective strength. It's not by might, nor by power. That's individual strength. But by my spirit. Come on, somebody say, but by my spirit. Oh, y'all got to get with me. I'll preach till 2 (laughs) o'clock. But by my spirit. Come on, somebody say that. Says the Lord Almighty. See, we have a tendency to walk around in the natural too much. We have a tendency to live in a culture of uh, just understanding what we think in our minds and, and our own abilities. But God is talking about his people need to live by his spirit. We need to be people of the spirit. You know, the word spirit in the, in the Old Testament, it was translated rauch. And, and here's the thing. God had like popcorn in the back of your throat when you say it. And it was really a hard thing to define. And in the New Testament, this word spirit in the Greek is actually translated pneuma, where we get the word pneumonia. It's the breath of God. It's the breath. It translates into a visible for, an invisible force that propels us. You know, I always hear about, uh, you know, Pastor, I don't like to preach about prosperity. I don't like to preach about prosperity. Can I tell you something? The opposite of prosperity is what? Poverty. But can I tell you in the Hebrew, if you go study the word prosperity, it means what you can't do on your own, God will put his hand on your back and push you forward. 
I don't know about you, but I need the Spirit of God to be a better husband. I need the, I need the Spirit of God to be a better employee. I need the Spirit of God to be a better father. I need to do what I know to do, but I need God's hand of prosperity on my back, pushing me into networks and pushing me into doors and pushing me into places that will help me to raise my ability to do what God's called me to do. This is the breath of God. And God's empowering you, church. You need to hear this this morning. Don't let this just be a good sermon that I preach because it's good. I'm just going to tell you right now, this is going to be good. But you need God empowering you to live beyond your own abilities. And by the way, some of you who are older, God ain't done with you because if he was done with you, he'd knock you in the head and take you. God's got a purpose for you. You say, well, pastor, I can't do all that kids blitz anymore. But you know what? You can come up here an hour early and pray over it. Come on. I'm going to tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is crucial living today. It is crucial. You need, you know, you've read that, that meme before that, uh, do I need the Holy Spirit to be saved? And it's like, you need the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. It is crucial. The Holy Spirit is critical. How, are we, how else are we supposed to lead a culture that's sexualizing our children? How else are we supposed to lead a culture that's indoctrinating our families that, that you don't even know if you're a man or a woman, you could choose what you want to be? That what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong now. Come on. We need to live in a culture that we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we, how else can we do this where so many fathers are absent? We need spiritual fathers and mothers right here in Tucumcari. You're going to have children that are going to come and grandmothers raising them and moms raising them and moms trying to work two jobs. They need a husband and a wife that will be spiritual mother and fathers to them and teach them the ways of God and not just come in here and try to get onto them and make them be where you are today, but love on them. Strengthen them, encourage them to where when they come to church, they have a great experience because they have mothers and fathers that care for them. We got to be mission critical. I only got 32 minutes left, so y'all got to listen real quick. That's a big screen, isn't it? We got to be mission critical. Somebody say mission critical. Paul taught the church how to operate in gifts. And you know, I hear, I hear there's, there's denominations out there that say, oh, that's, that's ceased. There's not a scripture in the Bible that says the gifts of the Spirit have ceased. Not one. Not one. Matter of fact, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. We need to know about this. Paul does not want us to be uninformed. I'm going to give you a crash course on some spiritual gifts today. All right, you ready? I pray you take some notes today. Uh, I want to talk about God's gifts. There's three main gifts, and you could probably find a lot more, but I'm going to give you three main gifts that God gives us. The first two are going to be quick, and I just want to move right into our third one. But the first gift is uh, eternal life. Somebody say amen for eternal life. We know what eternal life is, but if you're here today and you don't know what that is, Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In no one else but Jesus Christ. If you've only committed one sin, you say, well, you know, we're bad about comparing, Terry. We're real bad about that. I mean, you know what? I, I may be bad, but look at Bobby. Woo, right? And uh, Bobby's just so much worse. Can I tell you that if you commit one sin, you broke them all? You're guilty of them all. 
And so Jesus is telling us that this is what he came to die for. It's because he was sinless. He paid for our sins because we all have fallen short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2.8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, but it is a gift. Come on. Eternal life is a gift from God. Some of you need to receive that today. You cannot save yourself. I cannot go to heaven on somebody else's coattail. I cannot go to heaven because I serve kids blitz. I can help send others there, but how many of you know I need my own ticket? I need my own gift, and that gift is powerful. Here's the next one I want to give you, the second gift. It's the Holy Spirit. Somebody say amen to that. The Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Matter of fact, people think Jesus' last words were, go and make disciples. But we find in Acts, before he goes, he actually gives them the last instructions, and it's this. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, come on, the gift of the Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, let me tell you how you receive the Holy Spirit. You simply receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and then you say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. There's three baptisms real fast. i got to go through this really quick, one planned. But three, three baptisms. You have the baptism in the blood. No one comes to the Father except the drawn by the Holy Spirit. When you receive Christ Jesus, you are not just sprinkled. You are washed. You are washed with the blood of Jesus. That's the first baptism. That's the gift of eternal life. The second uh, baptism is in water, and that's what the minister does. He baptizes you, immerses you in water. That's the second baptism. Baptism means to immerse. The third baptism is fire. And John tells us who the baptism of, ba- baptizer of fire is. He said, there's one coming whose shoes I'm not even worthy to tie. He will baptize you in fire, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to give you, we need zeal, we need passion. You say, well, yeah, pastor, but I'm Baptist or I'm Presbyterian. It doesn't matter. Those are the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you the fire. We need zeal. We need passion again. And I want to tell you this. The third gift is the one that's remained unopened by about 80% of the church. About 80% of the church of the body of Christ According to the Fuller Theological Seminary out of California, they did a study. And they said more than 80% of Christians do not know what their spiritual giftings are or how to operate in their spiritual giftings. 80%. It's vital that you understand that God has given you that personality you have for a reason. Now, a lot of you say, well, yeah, but I have to ask for excuses because I'm Italian or I'm from New Mexico and that's just the way we are. No, no, no. God gave you that so you can harness it through the Holy Spirit and actually use it. You may have a fire and it may be for the wrong side. I think about water. Do you know water that whenever the rivers overflow on the, on the, on the, uh, the, what do you call those things? Banks. Thank you. Thank you. I'm from, I went to homeschool. I mean, I went to a public school. But we're talking about the, the, the banks. You know water running over the banks, what happens is it will destroy homes. It will destroy crops. It will do all that stuff. But do you know if you'll harness the power of the river through a dam, you can create electricity? And see, that, that, that what you've got going on, that, that pop in you, that, that just that some of you can be hateful. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You need to allow that. You need to go to James chapter 3 and bridle the tongue. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? And you need to harness that, that, that passion, that, that zeal you have through the Holy Spirit. Filter it through the word of God and begin to use it for the kingdom. 
God gave you your personality for a reason. And he wants you to use it. And that third gift is spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, verse 6. We have different gifts. That's, that's the word used, charisma. According to the grace, which is charis, given us. See, charisma is a grace gift. And each one of you have a gift from God. It's something you didn't deserve. It's a grace gift, meaning that you you got to learn how to walk in it. you got to learn how to use it. Matter of fact, it's through the process of discipleship that you learn what your gift is and how to harness it and how to use it. And you use it for the kingdom of God. For me, I have a grace gift of speaking in front of people. It doesn't matter if it's three, and it doesn't matter if it's 3,000. We were getting on the elevator, and I asked my wife, do you want to come up and say anything? She said, no, I do not. She said, I think it's cute that you asked me, though. <laughs> she does not have that gifting. But God has gifted her in mercy, and, and, and she is amazing with that. She's gifted with patience, and I struggle with those things. I really do. God gave me somebody completely opposite. George, aren't you glad God didn't give us the same kind of person we are? Don't look like us. Don't act like us. That's a good thing. See, a spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives each of his children so that together, collectively, the body of Christ, we can advance his purposes in this world. This is the hope of Tucumcari. This is the hope of Quake County. This is the hope of the homes around this church. This is the hope for the single mother. This is the hope for the one that's addicted to drugs. This is the one who's hooked on pornography. This is, they get around a collective body who has passion and zeal for something, and they see your giftings, and you use it to advance the kingdom and to express Jesus to them. And then I'm telling you right now, uh, the, the hell is banking on this church not discovering your spiritual gifts. Because here's the deal. The enemy's okay if you're saved. He'll just keep you busy where you can't advance anything. He'll just keep men apathetic. They'll attend church once every six to eight weeks. The enemy's A-OK with that. Because he knows if he can get the man to only come every six to eight weeks, what you do in moderation, he knows your children will do in excess, and they'll have no desire for the house of God at all. Good place for the men to say amen. Oh, in the Old Testament, people were given special abilities. We see in the Old Testament, they called them priests. They would go into the place of the Ark of the Covenant. They would talk to God, and then they'd come out and tell everybody what God was saying for him, uh, with, uh, to them from God. These were special people that God had given special gifts for a special place and a special time. The Bible says that God found fault with that. The Bible says that uh, he wasn't a fan of the Old Testament covenant that he wanted to create something different, which he established from the foundations of the earth. And Jesus came along, and he takes, uh, he takes these, these ordinary people. He takes these uneducated fishermen, tax collectors, problem people, failures. He anoints them, and he calls them his church. Man, that's good news for you and I. He didn't just do this with 12, but he did it with the entire church when he paid for our sins. When he rose from the grave, then on the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is a scary word. A lot of people are like, ooh, Pentecost. It's like the word Mufasa, right? Ooh, say it again. Let me, I don't know if some of you know what Pentecost means, but I'm going I'm to I'm freak you out a little bit. You ready? Pentecost means 50. 
50 days after the resurrection. It's what it means. 50 days. The Holy Spirit was poured out. And the same Peter who was denying Jesus to a young little girl by a campfire is now on the streets preaching the gospel saying this is that which is to come from Joel chapter 2. And he is preaching the gospel and 3,000 people get saved. On the day that the Ten Commandments come down from Mount Sinai, we find 3,000 were killed that day. On the day of Pentecost, same day, when the Spirit of God fell, 3,000 were given life and added to the church that day. Because that's the power of the Holy Spirit. He gifted Peter. He comes out and preaches. And because of the gifting of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 received Christ. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, In the last days, this is Peter quoting Joel, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on a few people. Come on. On all people. There's no longer ministers. Watch this. There's no longer ministers and the rest of you. Ooh, somebody getting this? There's no longer ministers and then the rest of you. There's no longer priests. We go to God and hear from him and come back and we tell you what to do. I love this. We are now, watch this. And let me say, it's not even a male thing anymore. It's not even a man thing. It is for all people. He says, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You know what the word prophesy means? To proclaim God's word. Come on, man, this is better than your shouting, I'm telling you. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Think I'm still seeing visions. Still, just in case you're wondering where I said in that. He says, even on servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and I will, they will prophesy. It didn't take long, though, for religion to creep back in. Didn't take long at all. They started hiring ministers again and came up with terms that like crazy things like clergy. You know, it's a made-up word, right? Clergy. It's not a biblical word. It means one who reads. One who reads. i got to have a parking pass for the hospital to park up in the front so I can get in and out uh, because I can read, right? And what they would do is, I'll read the Bible to you once a week and tell you what God's saying. We come up with words like layman. And I think it's basically what it says. They just lay around and do nothing. <laughs> Layman. 1,500 years come along, go, go by, and, and we see there's a Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther King. I don't have time to get into all that. That's good, that's good study if you ever get into it. But uh, it, it's the way he taught the Word of God, and, and he posts the thesis on the door of the church. And One of them was that the priesthood of all believers. Do you know you're a chosen generation? You're a royal priesthood? Oh, man, kings, queens, prophets, God has called you to be this. This is, we're all ministers. 2,000 years, here we are later. 2,000 years, here we are later. And we still have crept back into that religious mentality of, preacher, you tell me what God says and I'll do it. It didn't work for Moses and it don't work today. You know what I found counseling people? They don't never do what you tell them to do. Anybody got children? We, we have this mentality of the called and the non-called. Well, yeah, but, you know, Derek, you, y'all were called. You're all called to be ministers of the gospel. I love this. Here's what I want you to understand this morning. It's your turn. 
The man of God came here for 23 years and discipled people and taught people, and it's your turn. It's your turn. And I believe that we shouldn't rest until every follower understands it's your turn. It's your turn. I could care less to build a church. I'm not here because I enjoy speaking. I'm not here because I want to be on a stage. I am called to equip those for ministry. Do you understand what the the pastor's job is? It's to equip the saints to do the ministry. That's what Paul teaches us. And we're to colonize this earth. You're to colonize Tucumcari with the kingdom of God. We do different things. We, We do it differently. We're different people. Can I tell you something? We abide by the word of God. And when you honor the word of God, like we just did giving a minute ago, when you give God your first, watch this, you're pulling heaven into your finances. When you hold on to the 10%, you're pulling hell into your finances. When you walk in your marriage and, and you honor your husband as though you're honoring the Lord, when you're loving your wife as though you're uh, lo- loving Christ, you're pulling heaven into your marriage. And God does amazing things. But when you stop doing that through the word of God, you're minister in your home. You're pulling hell into your circumstances. I want to give you three quick truths. Number one, God called all of us to be ministers to the world around us. God has called all of us. Somebody say all of us. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. I have given my life equipping saints. I've given my life trying to teach people that you are a flame that God wants to get on fire and go out and spread the good news. It's our job. God is ready to gift you with his Holy Spirit. If you've never been filled with his spirit, he wants to, he wants to baptize you in his spirit. He wants you to, to recognize your giftings and use them for the kingdom of God. He wants you to, to understand that in this, this world that's filled with darkness, we need supernatural ability because it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord God Almighty. We've got to get to work. Some of us are just waiting to get to heaven. we got the us for and no more mentality. And we live Sunday to Sunday to Sunday. And can I tell you something? There's a lost world out there that needs your encouragement, needs your strengthening, needs you to build them. And and with that supernatural power, he wants you to impact those around you. But, oh, let me me just step on a toe real quick. That's why I got on my boots this morning. So my toe's already been stepped on. Jen, you got open toes, so get ready for this. Now, Now listen to me. He wants you to impact people. He wants you to do something, but it starts at home. Men, how you expect to try to get anybody else to come to church when your wife and kids don't like you being home? Because when dad's home, there's a different atmosphere. When dad's home, there's a lot of yelling, a lot of getting on, a lot of just kids don't want you around. You got to start in your home. Moms, grandmothers. Instead of nagging everybody to get to church, love them. Start at home. Isn't it funny how we'll treat people? I don't know what y'all got anymore. You don't have Alco anymore. What, Kmart, what do we got? The Dollar General, okay. I know when someone's from New Mexico when I'm out of state somewhere because they say the Walmarts. I love that, right? We used to say the Alcos. It put an S on it, the Kmarts. So funny living in a small town. I was on 4th Street, and I remember I need to run to Kmart, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go all the way over there. Uh, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. 
I already know where I was at, George. Uh, anyway, it starts at home. It starts at home. We have to impact in our house. I'm telling you, we got to get this down. We got to get this down. Because isn't it funny? I know where I was at now. Uh, isn't it funny how we'll treat people better at the Dollar General than we'll treat our own family at home? It starts at home. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Oh, oh listen. He could have just sent goosebumps. But he didn't. He sent his spirit. This is, where, this is what the word charisma in the world has to be with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gifts us so, so that we are a gift to mankind. So that we are, do you know what a Christian means? It means little Christ. It means that we should leave such a fragrance with people that they go, what is different about them? What is it about them? The Holy Spirit is here to anoint you with power. It goes on and says, and how he went around doing good. This is Jesus, but we are called to be like him. Matter of fact, he said, greater things you're going to do. Watch this. He went around doing good and healing and those who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. How much more can we do as a collective body? You know, if you wanted Jesus, you had to go find him in Jerusalem or Judea, wherever he was at, and you had to hope he was still there when you got word. But now, look at this room. If 12 can change and flip the world upside down, what could this room do? What could this room do? Man, see, that's a spiritual gift. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that, watch this, we can help each other. It's not a badge. It's not something, oh, man, I speak in tongues or I can pray in the spirit. I can, or do, you, or do you do that? And we want to use it as a badge. No, 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 no. It's actually a gift given to us so that we can help others. Help others. I'm asking you to get into the game. Not for my sake, not for, for First Assembly's sake, but for the kingdom of God's sake. It's time to get in the game. You've been gifted, and God has breathed his spirit into you, and it's not for your own personal entertainment. It's not for you to, you know, so many times we come to church and we go, well, how's Jen going to entertain me this morning? You know, I don't really like that song. It's okay because we ain't worshiping you anyway. Entertain me. No, 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 no. Here's what you need to be praying when you come to church. God, feel me. So that when I go out there and bump into others, I'm not what pours out onto them. You are. I hope y'all are getting something today. Here's the second thing. Every gift God has given us is unique and is important. Well, you know, I'm, this is all I'm gifted to do. No, 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 no. If God's given you that gift, watch this. It's because it's needed here. You may see that gift as simple, unneeded, not recognizable. God says, without it, my body is incomplete. I always say it this way. Somebody's got to be the nose hair. <laughs> Wives, don't be bumping your husband looking up his nose right now. That's not the time. Keep it serious. But do you know, if you didn't have nose hair, your lungs would be full of toxin and trash? Somebody's got to be the nose hair. And you know what we tend to do all our lives? Is our wives tend to try to get rid of the nose hair. That's all they ever try to do with us, right? Ear hair and the nose hair. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Somebody's got to be it. Well, yeah, but I'm not on church staff or I'm not on the worship team or I'm not. Because that's not where you're needed at. Your gifting may be somewhere else. 
You're thinking about it wrong. 1 Peter 4.10, God has intentionally, watch this, given us gifts to each of us for the greater variety of spiritual gifts. This is powerful. I love this passage. He says, so watch this. Here's what you're supposed to do with your gift. Manage it well so that God's generosity can flow through you. When you don't see your gift as a gift from God, you'll damn it up, and no one will get to experience Jesus through you. 1 Corinthians 12, Paul teaches about spiritual gifts, and he talks about the eye doesn't get upset with the nose because it doesn't smell. The ear's not upset with the mouth because it can't taste. In the body of Christ, we have to understand we're given spiritual gifts. I want to illustrate it this way. The the giftings that you have, uh, if you went to a banquet and someone dropped a plate on the floor, Mercy would say, oh, I'm sorry. Are you okay? Preaching gift would say, that happens when you're not careful. A serving gift would say, let me get that. I'll clean it. A teaching gift says, the reason it fell is because your plate was too heavy on one side. The exaltation gift is, it's okay. It could have happened to anybody. The giving gift says, here, take my plate. Come on. But the administration gift says, Jim, you get a mop. John, you clean it up. Mary, you get another dessert. You see, you need all the giftings to bring out the body of Christ so that people can receive Jesus. How do I discover my giftings? Here's a couple of things. Number one, don't be an orphan to the church. Can I tell you something? There's a lot of people not here today that belong to this church. And you know what I call a believer who's not connected to church? They're orphans. And we need to go out and be the the godly CYFD and bring them back in. Come on, somebody. We need to get people back into church. If they don't have a home church, invite them. If they do, don't proselyte them. Tell them to get into their church. Another way to find your gifting is to actually serve. Actually do it. Well, pastor, I don't like kids. Then we don't want to put you in kids. Right? We, we want to make sure you're in a place where you could serve because you're uniquely wired. Psalms 139.13 says you were created, your innermost being. You're knit together by your mother's womb. And he says this, watch this, I praise you. In other words, we celebrate your life because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know all too well. Some of you are disappointed with your life. Some of you are upset with God. And life doesn't make you happy and you're wondering why you're always looking for things to fulfill your heart. David takes it a step further and he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. The days I'm living right now are planned by God. I need to stay close to him, seek him, hunger after him so that he can show me what I'm supposed to be doing. Because listen to me. What would happen if you changed how much time you're on Netflix and social media and you put it into serving the kingdom of God, making a difference? You know why everybody's disappointed and sad and and depressed and suicidal and everything else? Because all they do is just all day fill up with world. When I was little, my mom was a dietitian. She cooked good meals. But on the way home from school, I'd stop by Burger King because it was right on the corner by the house. And I'd swing in there and get me a large fry. I'd keep my change. I'd skip something for lunch and keep change. And by the time I got home, if I had a burger or a fry there or a shake or whatever, I'd get home and my mom would put out the good food and I wasn't hungry for it because I stopped and filled up on junk before I got home. Can I tell you something? What my mom made at the table was nourishing. 
it was healthy, but I was getting filled up on junk. Anybody hearing me this morning? Some of y'all need to learn how to fast from some social media, from some Netflix. Come on. And you need to start learning how to fill up with the Word of God. And that song, oh, I love that, that you're so easy to worship. Some of you might have said, man, I don't find him easy to worship. Well, you're not because you're so filled with junk. You're so filled up. You don't have room for anything that God has for you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with my dream church. This is just my dream church, and I believe this for here too. My dream church is for people to understand that this, by the way, this what I'm doing here, I'm pastoring a great church in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And I want you to hear me. It's the same reason I'm saying this church is great here. I'm not pastoring a great church because I'm great. I'm pastoring a great church because God has brought me great people. Because listen, if you, you think you're leading and nobody's following, you're just taking a walk. But this is probably 1% to 3% of my job. The rest of it is pastoring people, networking, praying, casting vision. And this is my, this is my dream church. It's for someone in the church. And this, I just want you to take this as here at Tucum Care. Are you ready for this? I'd love if I, if I, you remember Testimony Wednesdays? Y'all remember when you used to do that years ago? And uh, we stopped giving the mic out and for a good reason. But I believe if we walked around this sanctuary that I could hear things. This, is, this would be a dream church. Are you ready for this? I'd go over to someone and I'd say, hey, tell me, what's your name? And they'd say, my name's Jim. And you know, Pastor Derek wasn't the only pastor here at Tucumcari First. See, I'm a follower of Christ, therefore, I'm a minister. And because I'm a minister, I have a gift of mercy, and I love to feel what people feel. And that's why I serve in my community. I extend that mercy to people who need it. They don't need somebody coming and beating them in the head. They need someone to come along and sympathize and empathize and love on them as Jesus would. I'd take the mic and go across the aisle and I'd hear, hi, my name is Susan. And You know, Pastor Derek wasn't the only minister at Tucumcari First Assembly. I'm a follower of Christ, therefore I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God has gifted me with the gift of administration. See, I see things when they're not organized and I love to come in and help bring uh, uh, organization to chaos. And that's how I use my gift. I help check in kids at Kids Church. I, I help develop systems in our church and make sure sermon notes are put in, whatever it may be. I go across the aisle and I hear someone else say, hey, my name is David. And, and Pastor Derek, he wasn't the only minister at this church. I, because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm a minister here at Tucumcari First Assembly. And I have the gift of technology. I understand, you know all them wires in the ceilings? and so, I get that. I understand that. I know how to hook it up. And so I use that gift. And because of that, we impact people on podcasts and Spotify. And when they walk in here, they see the preacher don't go too long because his timer's up on the screen. Come on, somebody say amen. I got three minutes, so I need you to listen quickly. Go across the aisle and I hear another one say, my name's Jennifer. And Pastor Derek wasn't the only minister because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. I'm a minister of the gospel myself. And I have the gift of evangelism. I love to lead a small group of high school students in my home. And we have a small group. Or, and I help out in our youth ministry. I love sharing Jesus with students. Wow. Go across the aisle and I hear, hey, my name's Mike and, and I'm a minister of the gospel. Therefore, I'm a servant of Jesus. Therefore, I'm a minister of the gospel. And my leadership to, uh, gift, gifting is, uh, my, my gifting is leadership. And I've been serving life groups for 20 years in my home, teaching people and discipling them. 
They need a brother figure. They need somebody in their life. I go across the aisle and I hear someone say, my name is Amber. And I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm a minister of Tucumcari First Assembly. And I have the gift of encouragement. That's why I go to the nursing home once a week and love on people that no one else thinks about. I go encourage them and let them know they're loved and not forgotten. Oh, I go across the aisle and I hear someone else say, my name is Martha and I've been in the church all my life and, and, and I've been, I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I am a minister of the gospel and my gifting is prayer. Man, I see the things going on in our church and the battle of our pastors and the battle of our teams and I just come and I spend time just praying in our sanctuary throughout the week because my gifting is prayer. Oh, I come across the aisle and I hear another one say, my name is Chris, and I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm a minister of the gospel, and my gifting is hospitality. That's why you see me in the parking lot waving at people as they come in, and I'm back out there waving as they go. I want people to know where the front door is, where the back door is, where the coffee is, where the mints are, where the bathroom. I love to be hospitable to people, and so I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ in my church. Oh, I love it go across the aisle to one more and he says my name is Matt I've been serving Jesus Christ and therefore I'm a minister of the gospel man my my gifting I guess is goofiness and so I love to get around junior high kids and make them feel welcome at church I love to go and have lunch with them at schools and and be able to bless them and let them know that even though they're in an awkward stage in life Jesus has a plan for their life that's how I minister the gospel see that's my dream church I'm a minister of the gospel. My name is Brian Hallmark, and God's gifted me with leadership. And he's gifted me with equipping saints, and that's what I love to do. But I'm not the only minister in my church, and you're, you don't, you're not waiting. Watch this. You're not waiting for a minister to come. You're waiting for a leader to be a vision caster and to be able to feed the sheep and to be able to network and grow this place, but he can't grow it unless he has a house full of ministers. Somebody say amen. And that's the third thing. The gifts God has given me, they show me who I am. They show me who I am. I want to close with, with this, with every eye closed, every head bowed. And Jen, I don't know if we could sing that again, that you're just so easy to praise. I love it. Can we sing that again? And I think about your gifting it shows you who you are. Here's the most dangerous question you can ask. With every head bowed and every eye closed, can we just lift our hands like we're about to receive something? Like, like you're about to catch something. Just lift them like someone's about to toss you something. And I want you to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Can we do this right now? If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, would you just right now say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Help me to follow you. I want to be your child. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to spend eternity with you. Forgive me for I am a sinner. Then I want you to simply say this to him. I receive your Holy Spirit. Can we just lift our voice right now and say that? I receive your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your fire. Fill me. Listen, if, you, if you're filled with the Spirit, I want to ask you right now just to begin to pray in the Spirit. Let's just stir this atmosphere. 
And I pray right now as we pray with our gifting, come on, just open your mouth and begin to pray. You don't have to do it loud. Just begin to pray in the spirit right now. Someone around you is seeking right now. And I want you to begin to stir that gift in you. And here's what I want the third question to be. Show me my gifting. I am a minister. Come on, somebody say this. I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have equipped me. You have gifted me. This is my community. I will go where you send me. Because God, you have a plan for Tucumcari. You have a plan for Quay County. And it involves me. And we will not sit here and wait for the next preacher because ministers don't sit. They go. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.